Hi, Joe. How's it going, Dan? Pretty good. Our shiver me timbers. Wait, I thought it was April Fool's Day, not Tuck Like a Pirate Day. Or is that the same day? I, I can never keep track. It could be the same day, depending on how you count your fools. Um, but uh, it was actually in reference to uh, my recently delayed but now occurring appearance on The Incomparable in The Ice Pirates. Um, oh. Yes. Yes. Uh, a, a 1984 space movie, um, which, which was not the one that we are going to talk about, thank God. But uh, th- but that one, that were, one. Were, were there timbers shivering because it it's ice and pirates? No, actually, there's relatively little ice, uh, and the <laughs> the pirates are very light on the pirate pirating. So um, that sounds like yeah. false advertising. It is. I believe I made a critique somewhat along those lines during the uh, the review of that uh, cinematic masterpiece. Well, I think you should go back in time to 1984 and ask for your dollar twenty five back or whatever movies cost back then. Mm-hmm. Do you know? What, do you know what joke I'm just about to make on Twitter right now? It is a monetary joke, which is why I'm uh, bringing it up. Uh, you'd buy something for a dollar? No, no. But nice try. Uh, hmm. I I got nothing. Okay. Uh, it is. Has someone taken all the clips of the dumb crap Mike Pence has said and set them to sixpence none the richer? <laughs> Remember sixpence none the richer? Yeah, they had that one song and can't hardly wait, didn't they? Yeah, I well, I, I, I like so. them. Yeah, yeah, no, I liked them too at the time. I mean, it was the well, style I, of the time. I, I could well, you got to get one of those in every episode, don't you? <laughs> I, I would still listen to that song. What song? What was their song? Um, <laughs> the sixpence none the richer song. <laughs> <laughs> They had the one. <laughs> Hang on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read the internet. Hang on. Uh huh. Six. That, that uh, apparently, they're a Christian and, and gospel band from Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you do. Oh, kiss me. That was their song, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, that was. Right. Under- oh, they they also had there she goes. They did. Uh, they had two. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember both of those. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a good song. We shouldn't. Uh, we shouldn't. Songs. We shouldn't. We shouldn't mix that with. Uh, well, the one's a good one. The other one's fine. Yeah. Well, you know. We shouldn't. We shouldn't bring down the uh, the 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 wonderfulness that was that '90s pop classic with the uh, the idiocy of that dingus. Yeah. Well. That's what that's what uh, dinguses are for. Um, so, any anything else we want to talk about? Uh, we are recording shortly after we recorded. Well, not that shortly. Uh, one week after we recorded our other episode, but it feels like the other day because we, we, <laughs> we just released it. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I swear I'm going to be like a normal human being with normal working hours uh, henceforth after today. Are did you, are you still working? on your project that you were working on? <laughs> am I still working? Uh, I, I am currently functional, uh, but I shipped two of the four projects, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, because I think your ETA was yesterday you would be you would be done today, and, and, and then your ETA last week was that you would be done last Tuesday. So... No, no, I'm done. I'm oh, done. Okay. Two, two of them are definitely gone. One is ongoing, and one is sort of uh, just starting up. But we're we're good. We're good. Okay, I'm just checking on your GTD strategy. 
My my GT yeah. GTD strategy is uh, I write I write things in text files mm-hmm. and no, then I look at them later. Zero. No, node graph zero, and uh, I, I put things in my new Fantastic L two. Fantastical two is uh, is very nice looking app. I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Fantas- it's very bright colors. Fantastical. Yeah, whatever. Fantastical, fantastical. Uh, whatever the kids say. Fantastical. It seems like like a like a popsicle. like a fantastic testicle. No, I, w- I went a different direction with that one. Well, I mean, the same direction, depending <laughs> on how you view your euphemisms, but um, y- y- yeah, different direction. Uh, more in the fruit flavored. Again, I guess that could go another... Anyway, um, yes. What's your favorite flavor of Fantastical? Uh, cherry. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, definitely. I'm going to go with cherries too, as well. That's, mm-hmm. that's a good one. I, I don't like the green ones. The orange ones are fine. Uh, the purple ones, eh. Yeah. I mean, it's a good rule, you know, you, you should stick with sucking on the berries. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going <laughs> to go anywhere near that, but it's summertime. So it's, it's good to have, um, chilled, uh, mm-hmm. refreshing mm-hmm. snacks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't even, you've ruined everything. Yes. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not even near the tracks. We're so far off the tracks. Enjoy your summer now, listeners. <laughs> Stuck up on popsicles. Uh, no, not remember, those. Remember icy pops? Uh, yeah, yeah, in the little plastic, uh, little squeeze up things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. those things. Yeah, they would. They would always make my throat scratchy for some reason. I think it was yeah. something in the uh, the colored eye. Yeah, I, or maybe I, it was the plastic. Or. Probably some combination of the plastic and the color dye. Yeah, <laughs> an unforeseen really chemical uh, a reaction. I used to eat all th- those all the time too, and I think uh, again, cherry cherry was the predominant flavor. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, your your grandparents would buy those variety packs, and then you'd be stuck with all of those other ones you don't like, um, like orange and grape. Um, I don't like those. Well, the orange was like the little girl, right? And the grape one was like the really long otter guy or something. I don't know what that is that you are making a reference to. In the the otter pops. You don't remember they had like little different characters on each of the different colors? Uh, Maybe we just had off-brand icy pops. (laughs) See, now this this is the thing. Otter pops were the original. Mm -hmm. And all of the off-brand ones were uh, markedly worse and very, very bad in most cases. But the Otter Pops, the original ones, they would come in that sort of cardboard box and they had uh, branding that looked pretty similar to uh, the the icy character, the, like the the polar bear guy. Mm-hmm. But uh, e- yeah. each of the different flavors had a different like character uh, printed on the plastic. Okay. Well, I'm j- I mm, I've already made the worst joke I can make for this podcast, so I'm not going to say to anyone that they should do anything with the word otter on urban dictionary but uh let's let's move on past this oh boy mm-hmm. is this what they teach you out there in california all this this crazy disgusting hip lingo yes the crazy uh disgusting hip lingo is a requirement uh for uh your driver's li- uh, license <laughs> and uh when you get your smog check uh every it, year is that how you like order order your coffee at the 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 hollywood starbucks down there you just say give me uh, a purple a purple otter uh, on the G- give, give me some purple otter berries purple purple otter berries uh-huh and that means like uh i, I don't know i don't want to know give me give me a nice know. latte or something is I, that how you i don't want to know what that means um let's 
let's let's rush past this at, at breakaway speed um, <sighs> to Boy. to something else. Engage the star drive, Dan. Move move on. Dive right back into July 13th of 1984. Mm -hmm. Ah, July July 13th, 1984. I remember it fondly. Uh, I was seven days old. Um, I forget you're that young. Wait, sorry. Eight days old. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, technically, it depends on what time of day it came out. Okay. So, yeah, needless to say, I missed uh, The Last Starfighter in theaters when it came out. Yeah, so did I. Um, I I was two. Uh, well, like one and a half, I guess, if we're getting to that specific, weirdly specific territory you were in. Um, but the, yeah, I, I didn't see it in theaters, but it was on an awful lot on TBS and WGN and stuff in the nineties. Uh, so I caught it many times there, uh, especially like at, I don't know, three in the morning, it would either be this or the Wrath of Khan. Um, (laughs) but are you saying even when you were... Like in single digit age, you would stay up till three in the morning, just like you do now. No, that, double digit at the end of the nineties. Hmm. Mm. Okay. When I had a nineteen inch uh, CRT TV in my room, and I could watch whatever cable channels I wanted. That that is a uh, that that is a small television. I think I still have one of those mm-hmm. in my garage somewhere. Remember when that was a huge television? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I think. Uh, I think. I think uh, the the really large, expensive one my dad bought was like thirty inches at one point. Was it one of those wood cabinet ones? It was gigantic, and he kind of built a wood cabinet to go underneath it to lift it off the ground like three feet. And it was it was really really terrible looking. It was one of those you know dad DIY projects where he's just like, I'm gonna build a thing and stain it and make the wood look all nice, and it just looked. It looked like he had found something uh, out back by the dumpster, like one of those wooden pallets and just torn it to pieces and built something out of it. But he thought it was rustic or nice looking or something. But the television weighed 800 pounds and almost fell over on me all the time. Oh. Because those CRTs, they're uh, they're a bit front heavy. Hmm. I, I hear they're just heavy in general. Yes. Most of that weight is in the uh, the three inch thick glass on the front. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think I also watched this on television. It's been a really long time. I know I've seen it because, of course, uh, everyone remembers Greg and, you know, that iconic character design. How could you forget? You mean Greg? That's what I said. You said Greg. I didn't say Greg. I'm looking right at his name. It's Greg. Greg the alien. (laughs) Hi, my name's Greg. I'll be your your HR resource manager for this evening. Uh, no, Greg, the, Greg, uh, yes. Greg, the, the orange lizard man who is, uh, very giddy and emotional at times. Um, with, uh, with I, his I, hissing laugh. <laughs> he's just, uh, he's like the, fu- he's like your funny uncle. He's just the, the lovable, creepy looking lizard guy who, who's, who really just wants everyone to live up to their potential. But, uh, I, I do remember him, of course, and I vaguely remember the video game, but I didn't really remember much, uh, until watching this again just now. Uh, and, and I must, uh, say thank you for purchasing this for me. And I think, how many people have you sent this to? Like eight other people? No, I've, I've sent this to you, uh, Casey Liss and, uh, Jason Snell. And have either of the other two of them watched this? Oh, and, and, uh, sorry, I almost forgot, uh, Steve from the Isometric Show. Um, they, so, there you go. Uh, Four people. Yeah, I, I, Snell has watched it. Steve said he was going to watch it, but I don't think he did. And then, uh, Casey, I don't think 
watched it at all. So, uh, but that's fine. I mean, he's only had his new baby for months and months and months, so it's not like he has anything else better. <laughs> he he can just watch his favorite Top Gear episodes and and cry some more. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mm, I have trouble watching some of the reruns, but uh, Top Gear. Yeah, yeah. I, I I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed several segments of the show. But if you just turn it on on BBC America, whenever they're just playing whatever episode happens to be on on the weekends, uh, there are a lot of episodes that I don't enjoy and don't miss, Um, especially when they started getting into the more personality-heavy episodes where they would mostly be racing and it would be mostly about personalities and stuff, and then it would just be like, well, this just is feeling formulaic to me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. The personalities are fun, and the cars are fun too. I guess there, but um, uh, yeah, it, it was for a little while. It was kind of like boycotted from our house because uh, Amanda's perception of the show was the five minutes she walked in and saw like their news segment where they're just like sitting on couches talking about like actual boring cars, and she thought that's all it was. And never wanted me to ever like watch it when she was around. And of course, since I work here and she's here a lot too, I never really got to watch it, but. Uh, she, she she later realized that there's there's more to it than that, and I got to watch it. But in terms of car shows, Dan, well, not really car shows. Dan, but, yes, that story amuses me. Can you tell it again? No. <laughs> you get one. <laughs> Cutting all of this out. <sighs> Top Gear may be gone, but uh, the new C- the new MotoGP uh, race season is back, and mm-hmm. I watched the first first race uh, two days ago. What what is the MotoGP race? It, it's like formula one cars but for motorcycles and they go really 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 fast and it's super awesome this doesn't sound like it caters to my particular <laughs> demographic uh so, no i just figured yeah. it would be something to balance out uh the last starfighter mm-hmm. it, it it does indeed do that yeah yes i i miss my motorcycle i used to have one it got stolen mm-hmm. i liked going fast and i like watching the races and uh, i caught the first uh, first race of the season it was really good it was a good race did you lot, ever lot have of... a serious accident other than that one time your mom tried to get on it and she dropped it on her <laughs> leg <laughs> uh depends on how you define serious accident i uh okay uh, did you have any accident with your person involved on your motorcycle yes because i'm uh a dummy um the way I relay the story is you ever do that thing where you're like, you look in your rear view mirror for a little too long and then you look back and the cars in front of you are closer than you thought. And you just sort of do that instinctive thing where you stomp on the brake a little extra hard. Yeah. If you do that on a motorcycle with really good tires and brakes, the motorcycle does a front flip. Damn. And I did a front flip and landed on my shoulder and broke my collarbone. Ouch. It actually didn't hurt. It, it was just a loud noise on my head. And then uh, my arm didn't move right and then uh somebody like dragged me out of the road so i didn't get run over by a car but that was about it yay motorcycles (laughs) uh yay motorcycles i love them very much i I wish i still had one but uh no i don't because then (laughs) i mean we'd have worse problems in that one week we we missed on this podcast (laughs) you know it really was just an inconvenience where i it was like really difficult to like shampoo my hair for like two months okay and now I have a lump on my collarbone because collarbones don't heal properly. Oh, okay. But other than that, it's fun to go like way super fast. In- until you break more things. Well, I was going like four miles an hour and I just hit the brake too hard. That's like I never never got any speeding tickets on it, which is No, I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't saying like 
you did anything to anybody else. I'm just saying, if that happened to you on this occasion, and it was entirely your fault, and you did it to yourself, Mm -hmm. maybe it will occur again in the future. Well, you know, I had only had the bike for about a year, so I was still pretty green, and uh, it was a very fast motorcycle, so uh, it took took a little little bit of a learning curve. Okay. I like going fast. There's, I mean... See, and this is another live fast, die young. No, no. bad bad girls do okay. Um, (laughs) This is why I'm okay with having a slow car uh because the the fast motorcycle I could get it out of my system and then go back to uh, driving on cruise control everywhere, which is what I do because I'm an old man. But uh, wait, you drive on cruise control like in the area you live in? Yeah, that is mind boggling. Well, since everything is 30 minutes away, there, there's there's long straight roads for very long periods of time. So just set it on uh, nine over on cruise control and you're good to go. Wow. Yeah, that's 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 how I that's how I drive. And I used to be able to get the speed out of my system with a motorcycle because it was fun and it's faster than pretty much any car you can buy. And it only costs like, you know. Ten to twenty thousand dollars for a really, really fast motorcycle, so you don't have to waste all your money on a ridiculous fast car. Sure, I like I, that's, that's more money for a casket. Uh, <laughs> the way I see it. <laughs> well, that's why you wear helmets and protective. Oh yeah, equipment. yeah, yeah. things that protect like your collarbone and stuff. Uh, well, you know the the mm-hmm. the, the thing about the collarbone is is you just try not to land upside down with a four hundred pound motorcycle on top of you, and then you're good to go. Yeah, just cross your fingers. Um, <laughs> well, it's hard to cross your fingers because you wear the, those gloves with like the the plastic mm-hmm. padding on the top. Oh, good. So maybe that was your problem. You couldn't cross your fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this uh, you want to just pack it up and try again another day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's slam on the brakes, spin over the wheel, and fall right into 1984's The Last Starfighter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that we've had two starts on this. Uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a movie you love. This is a, well, this is a movie I, 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 I find speaks to me. It is not one of the things that I would select for like uh, a time capsule that needed to be preserved of all of the best cinema of uh, the past 20 years or something. Does it speak to you in a language that requires a translator be stapled to your collar? Uh, It does not. Although, uh, it's pretty pretty neat how that translator works, isn't it? Where the the (laughs) lips sync back up and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Everyone's, you know, they should have done that in sort of like... uh, bad Godzilla style where everyone's mouths are moving at different rates than the actual audio coming out. No, I think that would have been a little distracting. I mean, technically on Star Trek, that's kind of what's going on too. You know? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was trying to remember what are the other examples of, uh, the sort of universal communicator things like that. Yeah. Uh, and like Farscape and stuff like that. I mean, cause if, if you actually saw all the stuff like happening out of sync and like the artificial voice overlaid over the, voice of whoever was talking and all that stuff it would just take away from your movie experience so just just move past that uh but anyway i like i was saying i i i like this film and i saw it when i was young my early teens and uh i've seen it several 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 times since then uh it is interesting uh it it has many flaws uh but it has a certain (laughs) earnestness to it that i find appealing um a certain uh uh yearning and desire and uh uh craftsmanship to it uh there it's it's not uh 
a typical fodder of the 1980s um in i i feel it it is a it is a step above uh most of your 1980s stuff it is not something that i think a modern eye could go back and enjoy very well uh because <laughs> the thing that is most glaring of course would be the cutting edge special effects from uh, visual effects from um, uh, 1984, which are, shall we say, not cutting edge uh, <laughs> in, in this day and age and do not age well. And uh, unlike model shots in Star Wars, uh, they can't be uh, restored and played with, you know, in compositing to, to make it look better uh, photographically. Um, well, there is uh, one. Actually, it's one shot, but they use it twice. There's there's a, there's a model shot at the end of the movie, which um, actually looks pretty bad. But they they could fix that one up. Okay, Dan. Um, but the <laughs> my point being, uh, it's it's it has a very specific look to it, and it is yes. baked in to what this thing is. <laughs> and if you can't get on board with it, uh, it is very hard to see past it. Uh, but this has all of your basic plot elements that you would you would expect in a uh, 1980s teen movie. Uh, kid wants to grow up and move out of the the dead dead end town kind of a place and into like a big city life and have his big city dreams. Uh, w- wants to go somewhere and be somebody, and uh, he, he has to move past his own internal barriers that prevent him from from realizing that. Uh, and and exploring the broader world or galaxy, as it may be in this case, uh, that that lies beyond. Um, and this also has uh, many other teen '80s elements with love and uh, misunderstandings of love and uh, romance. Air quotes. <laughs> uh, so, so that's awkward all awkward romance with robot replicant things. Hmm. Yeah. You you pay good money for that these days, um, but the- <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, we we don't have that here. You got to go somewhere else for that, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Otter Pops, uh, Beta Pops, uh, but the <laughs> uh, the uh, n- the the show. So the movie the movie starts, you know, innocently enough. Um, <laughs> as movies are wont to do in the 80s uh with uh space and planets and and sweeping <laughs> right. soaring music and then the uh the polka dotted wormhole is that was supposed to be like a wormhole kind of thing wasn't it or it's like that the tube of red dots yeah that's their uh their hyperspace their hyperdrive thing only they they call it the star drive in the movie the one time they refer to it sure yeah. sure star drive yeah um, and interestingly enough, uh, if you move faster than the speed of light, it actually shifts, uh, the light so that red would be more visible in front of you and blue is more visible behind you, I think is how it is. And so you see that when they're in the star car later, um, which while is interesting in some sort of an academic sense, doesn't, doesn't really lend anything to the effect as portrayed in the film, uh, cause they're dots. Uh, but the, <laughs> the, 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 so the, you go through the dots and then there's the text and the text has the, you know, the, you, you see this in several 1980s films, especially the Superman movies and Supergirl where the text like has the, uh, the, 
the extrusion back into space uh, of the letters going and receding from you. Uh, and the score is going crazy. And then we go through the atmosphere and then we're just seeing the normal day of Alex. And they say Alex's name like 30 or 40 times in the first five minutes of this film, um, just to let you know that everyone knows who Alex is and Alex knows who Alex is and you should know who Alex is. Uh, Alex, Alex, Alex. So yeah. yeah, and he needs to get his butt down there and fix that lady's uh, electricity so she can watch her soap operas. Was that lady's name Elvira? Yes, Elvira. Oh, that's that's a that's a totally common, completely common name to hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, this is also another interesting twist because this movie has very, uh, shall we say, one or two parallels to Star Wars: uh, A New Hope. In in that you know. Oh my God! Was Maggie his sister? <laughs> God. Well, she does refer to the grandmother as Granny. And then I was like, this is kind of weird that she's calling her Granny, even though it's not her Granny. Like, wouldn't she call her something else other than Granny? Um, unless maybe it's the same Granny. And then I was like, oh, this is this is disturbing. Let's let's not pursue this course of thought. Uh, but the <laughs> not pull up that thread. Yeah. The 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 whole the whole thing basically is like he wants to play his games and hang out with his girlfriend. And go do fun stuff out by Silver Lake. Uh, but he can't because he has responsibilities here to go do all the electronics fixing and plumbing stuff and whatever needs to be done uh, to help his, his family out. Um, you know, he has to go to Tashi sca- Station and, and pick up some power converters and and, and, and he can't do that. Um, but the... That, so that's basically setting you up for... Uh, that and also we get his hopes and dreams being the male uh, in which he uh, rather rather confrontationally explains to the jock uh, driving the truck that he's hoping to have a better life than just going to city college uh, what city I don't know because uh, we don't see any from the Starbright <laughs> Uh, the city trailer of trailer court. town yeah <laughs> the, the city of trailer court uh but the starbright trailer court um notwithstanding they drive off uh maggie goes with them and alex is left uh by himself to go fix all the stuff and then at the end of it go play his video game and maggie comes back later and she's like oh i'm sorry i came back to hang out with you and he's like oh whatever and they're playing games and then she's like oh look you're so high on the score which i find to be the first unbelievable moment of this film uh, in that she having shown no interest at all in this video game is suddenly interested in the score but whatever uh and then everybody gathers (laughs) around entire the entire trailer court gathers around to watch him play a video game like a that's some sort of achievement and b like it's one big family and they all have some sort of stake in whether in whether or not he can get his score over nine hundred thousand and all the way to breaking the record. Yeah, well, I mean, wait, break, breaking whose record though? By the way, yeah, that that is ambiguous. Uh, I was just about to say that. <laughs> it's just like the, the record set by the game, because apparently, like nobody's ever beat it or something. Maybe it ships with the record. Um, it, it does. It, it is a rather suspicious device. Um, but the uh, <laughs> the 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 device that he plays. Here he he gets past and breaks the score, and he's just like, oh well, yeah, I'm 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 good at life. Uh, and high five all the old people. Yeah, 
and that he he deeply regrets and is saddened by the the state of affairs with his his college situation um and because he was he was denied for uh, a bank loan which i guess is apparently the only way he would have gone to his fancy non-city school yeah well i mean college is expensive and they didn't have a lot of money so you know that's the only way he could afford mm. to go <sighs> so, bank loans such is life yeah. Um, but the, uh, and uh, I will be paying off my private student loans for the rest of my life. But the, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. The times have changed. They really want to give you those loans. So you're in debt for the rest of your life. But anyway, yeah, P- poor Alex. Let's, uh, uh, let's, let's leave the cynicism <laughs> out of this episode because that's really unlike us. Yes, sh- surely. Uh, the, this brings about the introduction of Centauri, um, who is, uh, a magnificent character, and is of course the Music Man. Are you familiar with the Music Man? No, no. Um, you are familiar with the Simpsons monorail song? Yes, that is modeled after the Music Man. Ah, okay, okay, sure. Um, so he's interesting. In that he is an over-the-top, flamboyant uh, con artist. And it is very clear from the second you see him, he is an over-the-top, flamboyant con artist. There is there is nothing about him that rings true to life or, <laughs> or uh, would make anybody say, oh, let me get in a car with him. <laughs> he had a really cool car, though. I know, but he, I wouldn't get in the car. Uh, it was like a hatchback four-door DeLorean. Uh-huh. Made out of plastic. It was, it was pretty pretty damn sweet. Uh, so Robert Preston is just a, a magnificent beast. And uh, he did so well in this. Uh, and he, he only had a couple other TV movie roles after this. This was like his, his final big screen appearance as Centauri. Uh, and he drags Alex off uh, somehow to the I-5 tunnel. Um I don't know. I don't know how they got there, but that is distinct. The cement there is distinctly that. Uh, and then they they take off into space um, in their in their little their little scene there. Uh, and I know that you had accidentally because the- there's basically there's like a roadblock, and he's like, "Oops, almost gonna hit this this road barrier here that's set up on one side of the tunnel for no reason." So he punches the gas, and they fly off into space. Yes. Well, first they like stall out over. Uh, a black mountain horizon silhouette <laughs> with with no city lights or anything, and then they, you know, are propelled immediately into the upper atmosphere and off into space. Uh, and they, uh, they have the wheels fold in and stuff, and it, it is sophisticated for uh, 1984. And again, I have to highlight that because. <laughs> It, it it really bears repeating 1984. Like if you if you forget for one minute this is 1984, you'd be like, oh man, that's the worst. And it's like, well, I watched the Ice Pirates from 1984. <laughs> that's the worst. Uh, this is this is fine. And so they 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 are propelled into space and they do their space thing. Oh oh, sorry, there was the be- the handshake with the Beta who suspiciously has sparks shoot out of his hands and then leaves the car. Uh, he like tasers him and then runs away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so and yet another reason 
to to sit in the car with some stranger uh and they they are maybe centauri just looked like he had good candy or something yeah yeah especially when he took his eyeballs out uh and <laughs> they 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 go what a convenient way to hide that whole gag let me rub my whole face with this cloth and then uh it, my, my skin and eyeballs will come off and then go back on it's a very interesting adhesive uh so they they leave and they go to rylos they land on Rylos, and we see the impressive Star Command uh, for the, the, the Star League. Um, uh, with a wonderful sense of scale and beautiful cinematic lighting. Mm. Some, <laughs> some, some boxes. Uh, and so they... This movie does have a, uh, a great deal more, if nothing else, has a great deal more completely CG stuff than most of the stuff at the time, right? Because they, they were still doing a lot of... Uh, you know, effects and compositing work at the time, but it was a lot of models and, you know, optical oh, printer stuff. For, this is- for years after this, everything was still models. Uh, this is far and ahead. Uh, this is way before they could have done this for real, for anything. Like, the Star Trek movies that came out after this, all, all that was still models. Everything was models for all of the ships and stuff. Can you think of another movie around this time that tried to do as much CG work as this one did? I, I haven't seen Ice Pirates, so I don't know if that qualifies. That has none, uh, except for like a time warp thing that they did. But everything that they have in there is models, and it's it's so bad. There's a, there's a garbage mat that uh, it's just like this gray box that you watch <laughs> go across the screen. Anyway, I don't want to I, I don't want to turn this into another episode about the Ice Pirates. Cause, cause, that movie uh but, but, the- <laughs> but are, are there any movies of this time that that used th- these kinds of effects i mean even to a slightly lesser degree because i can't think of any no none um but you're you're really looking far into the early 90s before you start to see stuff like this uh the, the, the which is you know on the one hand it may it makes it innovative in that they're far and away ahead of everybody else all their contemporaries but at the other on the other end of the spectrum it's it's you know very obvious what was happening these days uh do, do you think it was like a budgetary decision to do that or do you think it was because they really wanted to go for the kind of uh slightly better than video game look because there was actually a video game that they were trying to sell off of this uh i can't remember where i read it but there was like an archived version of like a cinefest uh, cine fastique or uh, uh cinefax or one, one of those uh where the person was actually describing in the times of the 1980s uh about why they decided to go with this over models uh and it, it was partially because it made economic sense for the number of shots that they needed um, sure 15 million dollars that's a lot of damn shots if you're trying to do that with models practically yeah uh especially with these like dogfight shots uh so it, it you know another reason why this is ahead of its time uh, but it's like i said it doesn't really hold up super well um and uh especially in hd the no. the hd transfer especially of those scenes is actually pretty good and uh it it gives it all away yeah especially like the uh the textures on the planets and stuff oh god <laughs> the texture it's just like two different uh like cloud effects from uh photoshop no, well, like they had, like, like if you look at the Rylos one when they go past it, there's there 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 are like cities painted into it, but like you can see basically sort of like a blurry texture filtering map 
Like, I have no idea what the map resolution was, but I'm going to guess that maybe it was, like, <laughs> top of the line 1080 square or something like that. Yeah, they weren't rocking uh, 4K textures like we do these days. No, I, I don't think they were rocking... <laughs> I think they were rocking 1K, basically. Uh, like, I, I think that the texture resolution was exceptionally low. Uh, but, the, you know, for the time, it was pretty good. <laughs> I mean, it was... I mean, look at uh, look at the Wrath of Khan. Uh, they had a CG sequence, the the first major CG sequence in a film, uh, with the Genesis effect, which you saw briefly when you were watching Star Trek IV, where they reused sure. the same footage. I, I've seen that footage in a number of places before, yeah. and th- this is on par with that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that was done by uh, Pixar back when they were part of ILM uh, in what was it, eighty two, eighty three? I think it was eighty two. Uh, so they they did that then. Uh, this is two years later. This is the whole film instead of just one sequence. So, you know, it's about the same in terms of, like, overall quality, but there's a lot more of it. So, yeah. Can't be, I can't wait to be super embarrassed about my own work in 30 more years. You, it's going to take 30 years for that? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh... No, uh, no, it's not. But I'm going to pretend that uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be this embarrassed for probably for a while. Okay. Um, okay. And so Rylos, they go there. They have all of the rented uh, stage props from I don't know the time tunnel sets and World War II radar screens and stuff. Like whatever. So, some of those, like uh, the the big like uh, control room areas, kind of looked like they came out of one of the '70s James Bond movies, where they've got like the really high sort of um, scaffolding with like equipment all over around the the sides of the set, and then the the center area with the tables and stuff. Well, you know, I mean, that was the that was their idea of computing power was like a bunch of blinking lights, and so there were companies that you could rent these consoles full of blinking lights uh, rather than just make them for your film uh, which is why a lot of things in film and TV had exactly the same blinking consoles uh, and there is a prop that is used here in a very heavy way when uh, Grig goes over to like adjust something on it which makes no sense to me <laughs> the, la- the, the red laser thing? Yeah 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 that is- I wrote this note down here he tries to turn a knob that's not a knob yeah he's just adjusting a cylinder that is on the side of this thing it is but but these those red laser things they're like in everything they're in wrath of khan they're in uh they're they're in everything and they're they're in stuff like well into the 90s like in episodes of star trek the next generation they're still using them in babylon 5 they're still using there was a place you would just go rent this thing from and you would get these this pair of these two red things and they would be in whatever it was you were doing and that, that <laughs> was that red was electricity it. arcing back and forth yeah like you used to go see this kind of stuff at like the the science store at the mall and the, the, they just put it in a glass cylinder and painted it silver and then there you go yeah magic um so this movie magic uh is amazing um in that we are we we established the use of some poor prosthetics and <laughs> very tiny crowd of people that uh the star league exists and that uh these people have been selected to help out the star league um presumably the number of people on display here is not the full extent of the star league because 
that's like eight people. Um, but the, <laughs> the, uh, the, they, uh, they quickly establish that Alex ought not to be there, uh, and ought to be going home. Uh, and, and Zur appears in a gust of wind, which doesn't make any sense for holograms or whatever, but <laughs> let's go with it. Uh, and, and so, uh, Zur's... They forgot to turn off their holograph, uh, airdrop and somebody just drops in a giant hologram of a head in the middle of their control room. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, it wasn't on a private network. Uh, so they, they didn't change their Wi-Fi password after Zur left. <laughs> <laughs> no, since he was that one guy's kid, he probably set up the Wi-Fi network, as you would expect the kid to do, mm. and he just left with the password, and mm-hmm. the guy doesn't know how to change it. Well, I think it was probably one of the spies, because remember, there are spies. <laughs> the, the, the the plastic dummy that gets melted by a laser while screaming? No, I mean, not... not- there are spies. Oh, the other the, the other spy. Yes, you mean the 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 one dude with the the, the, the plastic explosives. Yeah, the the guy with the the poker dealer hat who puts the plastic <laughs> explosives on the back of the thing. He's got a wad of gray clay that he sticks to the side of a console. Yeah, with a blinking light. Uh, but That's the, so good. The is we we we've established that they are spies. So anyway, whatever. Wi-Fi password or spies. Whatever you whatever you want to do. Uh, they they. Zer's giant floating head is there, and uh, some for some reason you ad- address the giant floating head. Uh, I don't, <laughs> Maybe it's uh, I don't know it's where the way, camera two-way, is. <laughs> two-way holographic head. Yeah, <laughs> he just has all these tiny holographic people surrounding his head back back on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> just all these teeny tiny people, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> See, if I had that technology, I would like pretend to start eating people just to screw with them. Uh-huh. Well, you uh huh. I, I am the, the giant floating head of Oz. Woo! You wouldn't do the kids in the hall smushing head thing. Like, every- oh I'm god! Crushing your head. <laughs> crushing your head. Did I ever tell you that they did that to me? Yes, you did, and you're you were yeah. scarred for life because you didn't understand that it was. Yeah, a I was joke. confused. <laughs> but I think they're coming back for a reunion tour, and I'm totally gonna go to that if they do that. Anyway, oh, moving on. Good. And maybe maybe you'll get over you. <laughs> <laughs> over my fear of, uh crap who was that mark mckinney i don't know i thought you said it was kevin mcdonald no well no i'm pretty sure that was mark mckinney who did that one okay but well, we'll, we'll cut all this out anyway canadians uh so the the, th- the thing happens uh with zur and the floating head and we establish that uh you're no son of mine so uh, of course we have we have familial relationships uh, established right. here, uh, which is oh, and, and and he interrupted. I forgot. He interrupted the speech from his dad, who was giving the literal. As you all well know, here is what we are dealing with for the audience who just happened to walk in. Yes, as any kindergartner or whatever <laughs> we call a kindergartner would would know in our in our universe, there is a great barrier that protects all the good people from all the bad people, which seems really simplistic when you get down to it. Sure, sure. <laughs> My question is uh, closer to the timeline of this thing. So Centauri uh, goes on that long rant about how you know how, how long it took to develop the video game and get it marketed and get it out to everybody to, to, to test to try and find the last Starfighter or other Starfighters. And uh, they finally found one and they got it. And it's just in time because Zer's about to come in and kill everyone. Like, how long has it been since they set up the game? And how long has Zer been, like, right outside the barricade there, like, trying to cut his way through with that red circle that spins i don't know and the answer is just long enough uh <laughs> but the the 
the more important question you should be asking is about Excalibur. So, um, uh, did you did you not catch that that little line drop there about how he's not doing the Excalibur gag anymore? Uh, no, I missed that. Oh. Uh, apparently, Greg hints to Centauri that uh, it was another one of his Excalibur things that he was doing. Um, oh, did he yeah. call it the Excalibur test or something? Oh, yeah. so oh, oh, I get it. I get it. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a uh, Arthur Penn addict, but uh, but but yeah, that 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 was the thing. Um, so that was, it was a funny aside joke. I don't know what it means in relation to the Star League, but that they they never age, yep. and they've been watching us for for centuries. Yay! Ho- hopefully not while we shower. Okay. Mm, uh, in your mobile cave. Uh, but the <laughs> that was one of the weirdest jokes in the whole thing. I love I loved it because it made it sound so sad. <laughs> because it was such a serious moment. Well, it it was a serious moment, but it was it was one of those things that makes you think long and hard about how you see your life. Um, and <laughs> it was, it... I live in a mobile cave that we never took anywhere. Yeah. Oh, so, and he's just like so good. Really, a mobile cave, and you never went anywhere. That's. Kid, uh, your problems are pretty small compared to all these spaceships around us. Yeah, exactly. That was that was the point of the conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> when they're hiding out in like the one asteroid floating around right next to the the frontier. Yeah, yeah. You're skipping head. Um, so Zer's floating head vanishes off after he dissolves the guy, uh, which is, you know, I I don't know if the writer of Galaxy Quest had seen this movie, but I'm gonna assume <laughs> yes, because uh, it's basically the same thing. Uh, and Alex wants to leave immediately, just almost exactly the same way that the uh, the, the crew of the uh, NSCA Protector wanted to go back to Earth. Uh, Alex does go back to Earth, though, uh, and he runs back into uh, the beta unit and finds out that the beta unit exists and is a duplicate of him. Uh, and it ruined everything with Maggie. And Apparently um, a duplicate that doesn't understand basic human interaction. Well, he wasn't human. Well, but he's supposed to have his personality and stuff. Well, I mean, did it look like he was that successful with Maggie? No, but he he was he was probably my favorite character because he was an idiot and he was hilarious. Uh huh. Which is funny because the feedback I got from Jason Snell, who had also seen this, was that uh, he found the Beta Alex scenes to be annoying. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Uh, he, he just said they were annoying. Uh, I I. And, and see, this is the funny part for me, because I love the whole thing. Uh, so it's interesting to me to to hear not just that he didn't like that, but that you like that and didn't like the other stuff. So it's, it's it's not that I didn't like the other stuff. I just found the beta Alex stuff to be kind of silly, uh, you know, alien fish out of in alien fish out of water mm-hmm. uh, scenes. But uh, you know, it wasn't the most swiftly timed comedy. Uh, in, in the scenes with Beta Alex or really uh, anywhere in the movie. But uh, I, I thought there were some funny moments. Well, nothing in the movie is really swiftly timed, uh, even the action, uh, et cetera. Um, you could basically like shave off, I don't know, 10 to 20 frames of almost every shot at the tail and head, and, and it would really tighten this thing up. Uh, but the... <laughs> It would probably make it less than an hour long, though, and that would be bad. <laughs> well, uh, it could be good, depending on how you think about that. Uh, but the... Uh, the, the he 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 has this conversation, and then we come across uh our first Zandozan uh who is 
enthralled by the streaming light stuff from the video game console and does not move two feet to either side or anything and just stands there and dissolves to the Zandozan. Uh, and then... Did the video game turn him into that, or he, did that just happen? Uh, video game did that. Um, it was... It, 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 the way I read into it is that it was a mechanism of the device um, to to catch any Kodan, because as you hear, it says Kodan over and over and over again. Um, and uh, so the thing hides up on the flimsy on top of a pergola <laughs> wood pergola uh, attached to the trailer and alex uh falls victim to it briefly uh and <laughs> it grabs his shirt yes yes after punching through the pergola <laughs> it's a very strong uh fish-headed alien thing yeah i mean the eyes being that wide apart didn't didn't make a lot of sense but whatever uh and then uh, Centauri shows up just in time to shoot back at it and and kill it. Um, well, only because Alex was tapping on his uh, what were they called? Communo crystals. Yes, yes. <laughs> it um, looked like a Tamagotchi. Well, it was. It predated that. That's how futuristic it was, Dan. So, did they sue the maker of the Tamagotchi for uh, for stealing their idea? No, the little, the little I, handheld doohickey. I think it was probably like some sort of a desktop clock thing. <laughs> Paper oh, white. like one of those little ones you get free in like a box of cereal. Uh, sure, why not? Uh, but the the uh, Centauri shows up, shoots the Xandozan. Xandozan falls over, but his <laughs> shoots arm- his arm off. Yeah, shoots his arm off, which is very Star Wars. Uh, and then the uh, the severed arm shoots Centauri, uh, mortally wounding. Well, let's put heavy air quotes on that. Uh, mortally wounding him, and uh, Centauri. Uh, shoots the Xandozan until it turns into a ball of fire. And then no one reacts to the burning dead body that's left there in the morning. So, whatever. Uh, and Well, it's lasers. It probably burned uh, only the parts that it needed to burn, and then they were officially completely gone and didn't leave any ash. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking lasers, man. Uh, so, the uh beta unit stays there to be a decoy and alex goes off to go man a gunstar uh, since that is the safest place for him to go according to centauri for his family uh centauri is exhibiting some problems and has some trouble landing and is not well when they open the door and uh, they talk about how he has a great fortune waiting for him, which is, of course, what he cares about more than <laughs> that was anything. was such a weird scene. They're like, oh, he's in pain. And he's apparently they knew that he was dying the moment they saw him. So they're like, let's just lie to him and say, look, all of your money is right here. You can have all of it. Just just relax. It's all going to be OK now. We've got all of your money. And then he's like, ah, money dies. <laughs> Comfort the sick and, and dying, Dan. You know, what are you going to tell him? <laughs> the only, the only thing that comfort him broke. is like, we've got giant piles of money here for you. And then, all the while, Alex is staring right into the camera and just those creepy eyes. Yeah. Well, the weirder part is that Greg probably would have known that, that he wasn't dead, but doesn't successfully communicate that <laughs> to Alex. Uh, and and so they, they wander off to go use uh, the last remaining prototype gun star, which conveniently has... More ammo, a longer range, and a special weapons modification. 
which is super useful to tell us because we spent so much time with the regular version of the Gunstar that we we really needed to know all that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, all you needed to know was that that was why this one was off in its own special hangar away from the other Gunstars. Um, oh man, that hangar shot! <laughs> God, is, is wasn't it pretty? Uh, it was. It was so great. Well. You know, when they had that asteroid strike, which we kind of glossed over, uh, when they had that asteroid strike, let's go back Wait, to were, that. Were those actual asteroids? Because it, it, they were fired out of the bad guy's ship, and they looked like asteroids, but they were explosive? Well, they were polygon geometry things, so I don't <laughs> know what they were, really, uh, but they they flew through space. By some, by being launched. Uh, so, in science fiction, there's something called a mass driver. Uh, they don't call it that here, but that is basically what it, you just propel a large body through space and then it hits something, um, which is a great way to exterminate a lot of people on a planet. Uh, these, this particular weapon um, is just kind of hilarious because they call it a meteor gun and <laughs> they fire it even though a meteor is only when it hits the atmosphere and it's an asteroid. Uh, anyway, uh, so the so, meteor uh, hits the atmosphere, uh, then hits the base, and they have like a missile command kind of a thing going on uh, with their, their turrets, and then the turrets are disabled by the C4 that goes off, uh, and the turrets are hilarious in, in their shading, um, and the gun stars, the few that were moving out to launch, uh, are preceded by like weird little trams and stuff in cg uh and the whole hangar blows up and everything blows up and all the explosions are of course not done in cg because they couldn't do that at all back then so you have cg and then you have um explosions that are keyed out of that cg and uh, keyed on top uh keyed out of the film footage and then put on top of that cg film footage in the optical printer um, so it is it is very transparent uh, and <laughs> <laughs> nice and blue. Yeah, it's it's weird. It, it is very strange because the explosions seemingly have no effect on whatever is happening. It's just kind of there is an explosion that is added on top of whatever you're seeing. Uh, so they 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 blow the crap out of that. And then when Centauri lands, they're missing the middle piece of the model of the uh, command base um, <laughs> to show you how serious this was. Uh, the explosion expertly sheared off just the center bit. Yeah, it, no rubble, <laughs> just just gone. Sure, sure. In uh, space, yeah. maybe it floated away. Yeah, no, no scorch, nothing. Just just gone. Uh, so the uh, when when they take off in their little gun star, they make sure to establish that their the display is suspended in a uh, xenon mist so that when he tilts his head slightly or we're not at the right viewing angle that we won't see it, which is very convenient for the audience because yeah, why, why was that explained? Just so we can see through it and see him? No, it was explained because then we don't have to actually do that for the whole film. <laughs> it was explained away because it was too expensive to do. It was too expensive. Yeah. I mean, cause then you'd have to put it, you'd have to have an overlay of the, 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 the thing on it. Every, I was watching shot. this part going like, when is this going to come back into play? Why are they telling me this? Well, they just wanted you to know why he could see what he was doing, but that was it. <laughs> but we couldn't see. Yeah. That's like the worst viewing angle of any television that's ever existed. Mm-hmm. 
That's like worse than the worst stereo 3D glasses. Yeah, that's what they call out of plane switching. But the um, the the whole thing was just ridiculous. And they but they they quickly established that Death Blossom exists, and not to touch it because that would be bad. Of course, like we have established on like I think every movie we've ever talked about, anytime anybody says that, they're going to use it later because. Otherwise, I wouldn't have said it at all. Uh, so, obviously, we will be seeing Death Blossom before the end of this film. Just a hunch. And they take off. They do a little target practice. Uh, Greg says, interstellar, uh, which is <laughs> pretty great. Just great. Just great, Greg. Good That's jo- absolutely got to be where the, the uh, Christopher Nolan got the name of the movie. I'm sure it was. And uh, they set course for the frontier. Uh, and he'll have a plan by the time they get to the frontier. And then the alarm goes off, and they're at my the frontier. Favorite, my favorite thing about the frontier is this is the only time it happens in the movie, but some text pops up on the screen that just says, the frontier. Yes. Like, like thank you for the additional clarification, title guy. Yeah. Well, it's important to know that. Um, and uh, especially since uh, that that particular scene you were addressing from earlier in the film... Uh, also preceded uh, us meeting the Kodan and uh, our lovely Zur, uh, the Rallin trader. Uh, but with his sweet scepter, <laughs> with the spike in it, uh, and the Kodan hate him. Um, but the uh, the they 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 arrive at the frontier and they find the Rylan cargo ship. Only something seems suspicious about this because they're totally BSing us. And of course, it's because they're working for the bad guys and they go chase them through an asteroid and the asteroid. Um, <sighs> well, let's just say it's, it's 1984. It was very hard to fly through anything in 1984. You could do your, your Death Star trench run, which was 83, year before this. Um, but that required uh, models of these trenches where you could take away part of the trench model and run a camera through. And then for this, you can't do that. Um, it's an asteroid, so you just have these this rough geometry of like crinkly stuff uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is supposed to evoke the feeling of rock. It's kind of like how if you're watching like the original series Star Trek. And they had like the paper mache kind of rocks, like for, like uh, that's basically what it is. It's like this is an approximation of what we can do with rock with the material we have on hand, uh, so that that is as close as they could get. Uh, and and you know it is what it is, uh, but it, it does not hold up. And the lighting on that is not effective at conveying the fact that they are moving through it or over it or around it or anything involving it. Uh, they shoot down the craft thing and then they're on the way out of the asteroid for what feels like 10 minutes. Um, and that's good because it gives a- a- Alex enough time to have his conversation about how he wants to go back to Earth and how he explains uh, what living on Earth is like uh, to Greg and how uh, he lives in homes which are, you know, like caves, but instead of caves are above ground. And then it's like, but I live in a mobile home. And it's like, but instead of 
you know, but it's it's like a cave that moves, but never right. went anywhere. Yeah, I, I love that Greg pilots uh, a, a spaceship and flies all around, and he he works for this uh, intergalactic space organization. And the only metaphor Alice could possibly use to explain what a mobile home is is to liken it to a cave. Like apparently, Greg's sophisticated enough to 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 live in this world of technology and spaceships, but he doesn't understand what a house is. So cool. Okay, that's not that's not uh, condescending or anything. But fine, that's 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 fine. Yeah. Well, I also get the feeling that Greg was kind of leading him on here to to make him say how ridiculous this was. Uh, so, so you know, it obviously sounds completely ridiculous when Alex phrases uh, everything the way he does, and they come out of the crater, and Alex has his idea before they leave the crater of a. a We'll wait here until the code and armada passes, then jump out and uh, blow up the communication turret. Um, but they get out of the. But Greg's like, "Oh well, too bad. We don't actually have a starfighter to do that." Guilt, guilt, guilt. Uh, they get out of the crater. There's more Rylan cargo ships that are not on their side, um, and they blow them up. And then they decide, you know what? Let's wait here. And then the Kodan pass by. Uh, and then they spring on the Kodan and blow up the communication tower. Um, oh, and uh, back on Earth, um, Beta Alex is uh, over at Silver Lake with Maggie and all of the dumb jock friends. Um, I don't know how all of these people got to be friends, but suffice to say they're friends uh and <laughs> they're like the, the liter- literally the only high school kids that hang out in the little uh the trailer trailer area there yeah so it's a high school of like six people and they all know each other yeah oh 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 beta alex reminds me of something um we glossed over uh beta alex's split screen with alex um <laughs> Yeah, which you had specifically pointed out to me because you're like, oh, it's so convenient how how dark it is. Right? Yeah, there's, right a, there's a very dark stripe right down the middle of the frame, conveniently. Yeah, uh, and it is convenient, and they did cut it there, obviously. Um, <laughs> it's like we don't even have to worry about how well the edges of these this composite lines up because it just falls to darkness. Yeah, well, it was good foresight on their part. Uh, so, good job. Save them, save them work later. Uh, th- that worked. Uh, and then there's another scene where there's um, a, a different kind of split screen where uh, Beta Alex removes his head to adjust his ear <laughs> and puts it on the desk. And there is an awful shot of a mannequin head, just the worst, just, just total mannequin head. And uh, it puts it on the, the desk and then it goes to uh, the actual actor, uh, Lance Guest, having his his head through a hole in the desk there, but underneath the desk they have uh, footage of what the wall looked like behind him. So instead of it just like vanishing to black, it actually has like the wood paneling that would be there in in the background, um, which is fine. Except you killed it by having that egregious uh, uh, fake headshot uh, and and just putting it on a table. Of course, we 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 know where this this magic is happening. Uh, but you know, it is 1984. Um, you know, death becomes her and stuff. It's until much later than this. And mm. even then they, they still kind of resort to the same gags. 
Uh, I should have just did, did the mannequin head uh, removal shot, like super out of focus, like it was Lewis's perspective, like he was just waking up, so it's all blurry. Yeah, or or just not had that shot. I mean, they could have just cut to it; it wouldn't have mattered. Uh, but they felt they needed it, and or, or just not put some light on it because like, if you didn't, if you didn't light the face, then we wouldn't know it didn't have like I don't know, uh, sclera colored scleras and people colored pupils. Um, it just was beige uh but the but that that was egregious uh but but beta alex is endearing in many ways and uh then we go to silver lake and beta alex is trying to woo back maggie with the sweet talking of uh the jock guy uh which involves the jock guy's uh, uh many relationships uh which maggie's does not find to be complimentary to her as you know i I mean women are so picky i guess (laughs) i don't don't know what to say with it was it was pretty cheesy but uh it's pretty clear he is an idiot and should not have said that that was stupid um but the uh uh shows up overhears part of their conversation shoots alex green goo shoots out of alex onto uh maggie and uh, she's like, I'm following you. And she's like, I got to go get the Zandozan or he'll report uh, back. The, yeah, she really goes from zero to, I believe, in uh, interstellar space travel and the fact that you're a robot and uh, my boyfriend is up there saving the universe in a matter of like three minutes. Yeah. Well, supposedly some of these uh, scenes are were added after the fact, um, the Earth scenes, because it... Uh, what was it? I was reading somewhere it tested well um, to have the Earth. The, the Earth stuff was appealing, so they, they added more Earth stuff. Well, if for no other reason, uh, Maggie made a, a quite handsome 80s uh, love interest for, uh, for Alex. Mm-hmm. She did well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but the, the, the Zandazan uses his, like, I don't know, plastic cup. Uh, with a light behind it to, to <laughs> communicate to the the code Anamrata across interstellar distances that, uh, that 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 he found the last starfighter and end of line um because <laughs> Beta Alex courageously sacrifices himself uh, and and, <laughs> and the jock guy's truck yeah and, and kills the Xanazan uh, in, in the truck. Um, and uh, Zur surmises from this uh, incomplete sentence <laughs> that the last fighter, starfighter is dead, which is probably not the first conclusion that I would jump to on my jump yeah. to conclusions, Matt. But uh, you, but Zur's you know, an you idiot. know, Zur, when you when you assume you make an ass out of you and Zur, uh, wouldn't that be Windows Azure? Uh, you make an ass out of you in the cloud. Sure. Yes. Assertions. An assertion? Yes, an assertion. Isn't uh, that when your program throws an error? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh we are officially down a very terribly rendered rabbit hole. Uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's get back to... Uh, I think the last Starfighter is dead. Yes. But he's not. No. So they all are really gung-ho about their mission now and they all casually line up like they were something straight out of galaga so he can just pop out behind them and start blasting them away yeah well 
they are in attack position for Rylos, and they're gonna, I don't know, blow the crap out of it. Uh, and so the fighter, which doesn't make a lot of sense, really, if you think about it, it's like, what, 20 fighters? They're, they're gonna just blow the crap out of a planet with 20 fighters? Uh, but they are on their way to Rylos, and the uh, carrier behind them, um, they t- they take off and they go to the communications turret. They blow the crap out of the communications turret uh, and they fire a couple of missiles back at the ship. Uh, with the communications knocked out, the fighters can't act as one and they have to operate on visual only, which makes no sense. I don't know why <laughs> there's no redundancy there. Um, whatevs. Apparently, it's not a peer-to-peer system. You have to have that central uh, router on the, the command ship before anyone can talk to anybody. Yeah, well, I mean, that's how you keep everything in sync, because otherwise, then you have to deal with a mesh network, and uh, there'd be different, like, GitHub versions of things, like, bouncing back and forth, like, uh, which hash would someone have on their ship? You know, what if what if ship chronometer was slightly off from, like, interstellar speeds? So, you know, I, I can understand Yes. Yeah. Uh, you got to check in with the command ship to get to make sure your tri-level sync is still in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, push to command. But the uh, command ship um, and the little carriers are like, oh, no big deal. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we, just, we don't even need to look behind us to see what happened to the command ship. Yeah, we just we just lost communication. Just proceed. Everything's fine. That always happens. Like every <laughs> Tuesday. Maybe, maybe it's built on a Windows system and it crashes. Yeah, it's, it's it's Taco Tuesday. Everybody's getting tacos in the commissary and they forgot to turn on the communications turret. I mean, it's one of those things that was just like, I, I don't know why you would assume everything's fine, but you did, uh, idiots. And uh, the Gunstar gets up behind them and they do Death Blossom, um, which, like we said, uh, Chekhov's Law of Death Blossoms, um, they have to fire this this death blossom that was placed in the first act, and uh, they spin around super fast, and blasts go everywhere. And this is crazy for the time. Um, you 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 couldn't do this really, you know, because if you had a if you had a actual mounted ship, it would be like a like a physical ship that was being shot photographically. Uh, it, w- it would have a mount that went into one side of the ship, and the motion-controlled camera could only go around in one direction. Mm. So you couldn't, like, spin it in every single direction. So, in one sense, yay computer graphics. <laughs> in another sense, <laughs> this was maybe not the time. Uh, so they, they, they do this, and they fire off all their weapons. And well, well, What I want to know about the Death Blossom is how did Alex not vomit everywhere? Because not only is the ship spinning in every axis so is his seat inside that ship spinning in every axis as well and it didn't look like it was spinning opposite like counter to the ship so he he was probably just like in a in a 6g spin just i would be vomiting everywhere well maybe that's why you don't pilot gun stars dan because i don't have the uh the 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 the, the training that alex got mm-hmm. in in the seat of a an actual gun star spinning him around like that yeah or by standing in front of an arcade machine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got a fair amount of that training when I was younger. Uh-huh. Yeah, but it was just like killer instinct and, and garbage like that. At Mortal Kombat, yes. Yes, yes. Street well, Fighter. L- let's be real. Mortal Kombat 2 is the best of the Mortal Kombats, you know, by far. 
I was also a fan of the X-Men game, which was that side-scroller, kind of like the Simpsons game. I didn't like it, but I liked Mortal Kombat. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, I liked uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2. Did you play mm. that? See, the Marvel vs. Capcom games, they always felt like uh, a, a, a cheat to me. Like, I, I didn't enjoy the, like, what if this character from this universe fought that one? I was like, oh, come on, I don't want to do that. I don't care. Like, I, I really don't care. And I would always pick Cyclops, and nobody likes Cyclops, but Optic Blast. Um, that was my favorite thing to do, and because it, it would, like, take out, like, a whole, like, third of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so... Uh, Colossus had a good one, too. He, he, mm-hmm. he would do, like, that loud yell, and then a giant blast of something came out of him. Yeah. See, exactly. Arcade games. Um, but we weren't recruited by the X-Men. By the X-Men. <laughs> I would totally wear a Cyclops mask or, or, or let my skin be turned into metal. Uh, well, I don't know if I could pull off that look that Cyclops had in that game. Because that was, the, that was the, uh, the Jim Claremont, like, um, uh, blue spandex with, uh, with, with yellow utility package belts all over um <laughs> sure you could you know you just, yeah. just hit, hit the gym for a little bit and then you could you could rock the spandex all day long mm-hmm. yeah although if i remember colossus was wearing like red overall spandex over his uh his metal skin i don't think it was spandex though because it had like those fluted shoulders remember those where they, they just like stick out they were like cantilevered off to the side <laughs> Oh, video games. Anyway, back to yeah. the last Starfighter. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, Death Blossom takes out basically all of the little fighter guys. Uh, and they are left with the command ship, but they are out of power from Death Blossom. Uh, so they are desperately trying to restart systems. The command ship uh, is out of control uh, of their batteries, but they have control of their thrust so they are going to pursue ramming speed uh as as our as our noble uh captain indicates and they are propelled forwards uh towards the gunstar uh which also all of these things just seem like ridiculous ideas uh but i i wanted to talk about this with you because uh I, I'm not I, I'm not some big fancy physicist, but I do believe uh, in a vacuum, a metal object clanging into another metal object would just push that other metal object away. If they're moving at relatively the same speed, if they're moving much faster than that object, then they're just as violent as a bullet. Yeah, I didn't get the sense that that was happening. Well, you didn't get the sense that was happening because they <laughs> there weren't was moving no that fast. On but they, yeah, they uh, but. Essentially, theoretically, they would have eventually reached that speed. Uh, the ship, they powered it up uh, with a little circuit board they wired together at Radio Shack, uh, with had, which had uh, some LEDs um, in different colors. And uh, they did their little thing. And then the ship uh, bumps off of <laughs> the Kodan the uh, mothership and, and they... Uh, propel themselves away and then they fire at a couple of key places that cause the Kodan ship to lose control of its engines and they are propelled into the gravitational pole of the uh, Rylan moon they crash on the moon and explode uh, I would say spectacularly but I didn't think it was that <laughs> spectacular uh, it was it was just another one of those explosions over CG again um, yeah, it was one of those ones where I was watching the ship and I was expecting it to go for a while and like fall all the way into the moon's atmosphere. But it was just like, 
uh, boom. And then it's like, oh, I guess that moon was a lot closer than I thought it was and a lot smaller. But who could tell because there's no shadows or scale or anything. So yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, what do we do now? We die. Yeah. And then <laughs> the, the spectacular. Boop, the little click, the clip, uh, eye thing. Like, why did he need that? So he could, he could calculate his, his death? No, he needed it because he, he needed a flinch every single time that that happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot one more thing in, in this battle sequence that made me genuinely laugh out loud. Like right before uh, Alex engages in the fight, it just arbitrarily cuts to Maggie back on Earth right after the truck exploded into the guy who was trying to send the message. And she's just looking up at the stars and goes, I love you, Alex. And then it goes back to him and he goes into battle. Like, thank <sighs> God that that just random cut was in there. So we know that she actually loves him because he, you know, he really needed that encouragement, even though he couldn't hear it. Yeah, well, I don't know why she was particularly feeling motivated for that, because she hadn't seen Alex technically in a few days. Um, well, and- she knows that it was all for the greater good, and he, ha- he had to leave the robot there because he's off saving the universe. So she really loves him, and she was going to say it at a reasonable volume towards the stars. <laughs> <laughs> reasonable volume towards the stars. Sure. I'm sure he could hear me. They've got, uh, what do they call them, transmission pulsars? We're probably picking up on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pulsar. I don't. I don't think that's what a pulsar is. I'm. I'm pretty sure that's a different word. Yeah. So they defeated them, and then they land on Rylos, and then they have, I don't know, the little ceremony thing with the uh, bad o- optical printer shot with the, the the black matte line around the ship. Yeah. And in, and in involving as few people as possible, uh, except for the fact that one of the guys walks underneath the model where like the leg of the ship is supposed to be resting on the ground and he like technically walks under the foot of the ship shh dan (laughs) like you've got five people just have him not walk where the ship is supposed to be well they didn't know that ahead of time and they can go back and they, they couldn't you know paint him out later or anything well they should have gotten themselves one of them fancy quantel paint boxes oh dan um so this thing um, they have their little ceremony, and again, they drive home the point that he could stay with them and help rebuild the, uh, you know, Legion of Starfighters and, and, and make everything great on Rylos. And they really wanted he, to do that. I love that he's going to stick around to, to train up the, the, the new armada of, uh, Starfighters, but like, w- what is he going to teach them? Like, why don't they just put the video game up for a lot of people to play and say here you go here's your training that's how alex did it well they don't want to pay centauri for the route uh, the uh licensing, <laughs> the licensing sure. rights yeah um but the uh, uh just go gather up all of the the equipment that they distribute around the earth and just put them in the the little, little command center there yeah they could threaten uh centauri with this uh dmca uh takedown notice uh but the <laughs> the the whole thing it's just kind of silly. Uh, it doesn't really matter, but you know, it's just it's just a big metaphor for how you know if if all he ever sees himself as is this kid in a trailer park, then that's all he'll ever be, uh, which is a line that Centauri had delivered earlier in the film, um, and everyone assures him that he'll be much happy, happier on uh, Rylos because then he'll get his opportunity uh, to be who he is and and do all the things he wanted to do. Uh, and he resolves to, apparently to go back to Earth uh, and to talk to Maggie and his family. 
and he takes the Gunstar with him, uh, and they land in the trailer park, which doesn't seem sound, but whatever. Um, <laughs> they they land in the trailer park, don't kill anyone, and uh, <laughs> all the trailer park people come out to hang out with the ship, and uh, we we get the the whole elevator thing. Um, of him coming down the side of the ship because uh, you need to do that. And, uh, and th- this is the only instance in the entire movie where he closes the lid of his helmet and it's to disguise his face. Yeah. Like the entire time they're in the ship, they-, they never once put their helmets down. No, that's not true. Okay, maybe for like five seconds, but they're always wearing them up. Yeah, well, he put his helmet down uh, when they launched out of the the dock. And he was start, right when he was about to shout a bunch of expletives about the fact that he was the last starfighter, um, and so he the helmet goes down and then he's shouting silence, uh, but you see his lips moving, but you can see his face through the mask. But anyway, it doesn't matter because um, that's not the point. The point is surprise reveal. Uh, so <laughs> we had no idea who it was going to be. Yeah, a surprise reveal uh, to all of the people gathered around. And uh, Greg is also there and introduced to people, and they're like, monster, and you know, all that stuff. Uh, and uh, he's like, oh, I'm going to go do this thing, and Maggie, won't you come with me, and blah, 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 blah. And then he gets back on the elevator, and then she's like, oh, I'm going to go, Granny. And Granny's <laughs> like, okay, well, you write me or whatever they do. And then she gets on the space <laughs> I love elevator. that she rolls up with a shotgun, too, like she's about to shoot Greg. Oh, God granny um so they get on their ship and then they blast off and then we get the close-up on the Starbright uh hotel sign and the credits start rolling and we get the music swelling again and it's all that stuff you know yeah you're are you familiar i'm familiar we we did okay. uh miss the the return of uh centauri who who was apparently not dead oh yeah and, oh. and, and apparently waited to uh put his face back on until he came up to see alex surprise <laughs> i love that he's like don't worry you'll have the help of an old friend centauri is like really an old friend you met this guy like six hours ago yeah yeah he was he's a smooth operator um <laughs> so centauri yeah i don't know but i i i like the film um, I, I, I like I, that uh, Centauri, uh, you know, pr- probably in relation to Alpha Centauri and his little robot buddy is named Beta. Okay. Uh, Alpha and Beta. BFFs yeah. for life. Well, uh, sure. It's, it's it's clever is what I'm saying. Okay. Because computers and stuff. Do you know what else is clever? Uh, no. Uh, the supercomputer got a credit on the movie. And I saw that. The supercomputer is a Cray XMP. Yes. Don't, that, don't, that, don't, don't, don't say it. That's Cray. <laughs> God damn. Uh, yeah. So is, is this the, the supercomputer that uh, created the graphics that we, uh, that we saw? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, 27 minutes of effects for the film. That, that is a lot of minutes. Yes. 300 scenes containing computer graphics in the film. Uh, each frame of the animation contained an average of 250,000 polygons <laughs> and had a resolution of 3,000 by 5,000, 36-bit pixels. Uh, 3,000 by 5,000? Yes. 
I don't know why. That seems high. Because That's insane. Why would they? Why the hell would they do that? I don't know. That's what I, it says I, I mean, in I know it was shot. It, the movie was shot anamorphic, which is an interesting choice, especially for a movie that's theoretically trying to keep costs down. But um, in Panavision. Yeah. Uh, wow. Okay. That, that that baffles me. Where are you reading this? Wikipedia. Oh, well, of course. I mean, maybe it's wrong, but that's what it says. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Well then, uh, what el- what else? What else does it say about the uh, the the super cray computer? Super cray pewter. That that was it. I think they started on a regular cray, but then switched to a XMP in the middle of production. Does it say how long it took to render each frame? <sighs> uh, not on Wikipedia, but. I remember reading somewhere else before that it took quite a while. Because there was also the optical printing. So, like, once you rendered something, you'd have to actually use an optical printer to put it onto film. So, that was also another process that we... And to add the explosions. Don't have to do? No, no, no. Not not just to add the explosions, but to, oh, to yeah. actually put it on the film. Um, well, you just, you just load it up into the airy laser and it does it for you. <laughs> Dan. Well, they didn't. They didn't have one of those in uh, 1984. No, no, no. Mm-mm. <laughs> there was a 70 millimeter blow of this. Oh wow! That uh, it would be interesting to see this in 70 millimeter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably look better than Interstellar. Uh, Gene Siskel included the film on his list of guilty pleasures, describing it as a Star Wars ripoff, but the best one. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I think they steal more from literally other every other 80s romantic comedy with high school kids than Star Wars, but sure. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they're talking about the whole, like, uh, Alex Rogan as Luke Skywalker thing. With the hair. Mm-hmm. Very 80s hair. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice. No? No, I'm just kidding. Of course I noticed. Yeah, the first user review on IMDb calls this the father of all CGI movies, which uh, is, is probably incorrect, but it's an interesting thing to call it. It is definitely incorrect, but uh, yes, that is interesting. Um, it, it is probably the one with the highest percentage of cg to practical for many of the films that were in this era but it's not the father of cg movies so well you should you should take that up with uh imdb user x weapon x yeah well he can go f himself (laughs) say about that Um, you should uh you should go uh uh cherry what 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 blossom onion blossom him blossom gun uh, What's it called? Death Blossom? Bl- Bloomin' Onions? Bl- uh, Bloomin' Onion Gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ever had a Bloomin' uh, Onion? Those things will sting if you eat too much of them. Oh, God. Uh, yes, I used to like them. We we would order them. Um, and and my favorite thing was <laughs> the uh, the batter would separate so easily from the actual onion. Sure. And so I would eat the batter <laughs> uh, dipped in that whatever... I don't know what to describe that sauce as specifically. Uh, it's kind of so, like a Chipotle ranch in some places. Yeah, it, it's it's not healthy, is what it is. Uh, no. And so you 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 dunk your your batter <laughs> ex- extricated from the onion 
uh, into that, and then and then you'd eat that fried batter. Uh, so, <laughs> You're just eating fried flour and milk mixture uh, in, in a dairy product. Yeah, that's very healthy. This this is a this is in your time in Florida, wasn't it? Of course. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Outback's from Florida. Did you know that? Mm. Uh, I did not. I, I had my first Bloomin' Onion at uh, an Outback. I think that was the only time I ever had it. Uh, but they have it at other places now too. Didn't they lose the? Uh, they they lost the patent on that, so it's in other places now, didn't they? I did not even know there was a patent. But no, I'm I'm kidding. I'm just saying. Yeah. Like, there's more than one place that has Bloomin' Onions now. Well, I think they have to call it something else. But yeah, basically, I mean. Well, yeah, they call it a a, a, a blossoming death onion or something. Yeah. So 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 some death shallots everywhere uh they that that happens i I don't know i I, it does not hold any interest for me uh in modern life no 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 um because i have no particular fondness for sitting in the bathroom for a long period of time (laughs) so uh uh it's because you don't live with somebody full-time do you <clears throat> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't. I don't hide in the bathroom to get away from people. But no, it's just it's it's 2015, so we've moved on to eating fried pickles from fried onions, right? So, what part of this podcast should I send to him? <laughs> oh, well, okay. She's not gonna. She's not gonna listen to a podcast. Um, she'll, she'll probably listen to an audio clip. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, cut, we'll we'll cut all this out, and I, I'll delete your master. Mm-hmm. Wait, is that a euphemism? Yes. You belong to a friend of mine for the longest time, and I'm sure you knew the thought of touching you never crossed my mind. Every time that I saw you. Hand like this, I swear it's true. The thought of holding you never crossed my mind.
Uh, that was why you're the, making that noise? The last Is your thinking noise? Yes. 